Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Section Morning Show, episode 23. 23, man. We just that much closer to the to the Titan season start, man. It's been a long time coming. We started this thing in January. Was able to get a live watch along of uh, the last game against the Jaguars. A terrible game, man. And now we back for another regular season game for the Titans, man. And here's the many more. But before we get started, let y'all know TFTV Sports will be having their live watch along on Sunday at 12 o'clock noon. That's the time the Titans play New Orleans in New Orleans. Uh, it'll be on Twitch and YouTube, just like y'all can find the Sports Section Morning Show. So make sure y'all tap in with that. It's going to be a really good time. We're going to have our fan sites afterwards. It's going to be a really, really, really good, good watch along. And hopefully we're there to see a win, man. I think we'll see a win. But uh, get that out the way. Let's get these. Let's get this show started, man. I know you heard it be Will. Sports section. A lot to talk about. We're going to dive right into last night's first game of the year. First game of the year for the NFL season. Detroit visited Kansas City, and there was a lot of Detroit fans at the game. I ain't going to lie. A lot of Detroit fans at the game. The Chris Jones and uh, Travis Kelsey lists Chiefs. So it was basically the Mahomes show out there. Mahomes single-handedly almost beat Detroit. I ain't going to lie to you. That defense that uh, Kansas City had, they played decent without, without Jones, but his absence is noted. And seen, you know, I just hope here's the thing. I don't give a damn if Jones gets paid. I don't give a damn if the Chiefs do well this year, but I need them to whoop Jacksonville next week. They play Jacksonville next week. I need Kelsey back healthy. I need Chris Jones. You know, I I don't need to see him selling no more burgers or uh, buying people no more burgers. I need him eating burgers, getting his weight up for the game against Jacksonville because I need them to beat Jacksonville. If Jacksonville finds a way to play Kansas City without Jones and Kelsey, I'm gonna be heated, man. I'm gonna be heated. That 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 that's gonna irritate the hell out of me, boy. But uh, to the game, to the game, man. Uh, first quarter started out slow. Everybody was talking about the under being at 26 and a half for the half. I don't. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's what I heard. And if so, that that seems like it was pretty high. But irregardless, they didn't they didn't hit the uh, the over under. They didn't you know come in over that. It was I think it was like 14 to seven if I'm not mistaken, for the half. But, you know, Kansas City was doing what Kansas City does. Mahomes running around. His receivers looked absolutely just dreadful yesterday. Tony had a terrible game. Uh, Sky Moore had a, a drop late. I think he had a drop late late on. And, you know, they, they just weren't able to get anything going offensively. Looked out of sync. I remember in particular Tony and I want to say Sky Moore were going in a mesh route, and right at that mesh point, Mahomes threw it. And Sky Moore's running right across Tony, flashes right across of him, and the ball just hits Tony in the in the abdomen. Like Tony's like, what what are you doing? You know, just the timing not being synced up. And, you know, that goes to makes me worry about the Titans, man, because the Chiefs, Reed is known to run a more strenuous and, you know, intensive training camp off at least offensively with his quarterback stuff. Like Mahomes played a, quite a bit more. He played a lot more than Tannehill did in preseason. And he still looked rusty, you know, coming into coming into this Thursday night game. And I get it's a short week of preparation and all, but man, if Mahomes and them looking rusty, I can only imagine how Tannehill gonna look. You know, that's that that that's just the that's just the god honest truth. But you know, the Chiefs, the defense looked 
the defense flew around and made plays. Secondary looked good, but you could tell there was gaps to be ran. You know, with the absence of Jones, that front, they were having to routinely have five down linemen in there just to supplement that. That's taking the guy out of coverage. So, you know, Detroit is early in the year, of course, but Detroit, they moved the ball pretty much at will against against Kansas City. They just had some, uh, some. I think they had a turnover in the red zone. I think there was a fumble. There was 100% a fumble in the red zone. And uh, they just they weren't able to convert as much as they should have. You know, that's something that Goff and, uh, and Johnson will take back to the drawing board and look at. But, you know, overall, the game, it was a really good game. Mahomes flying around doing Mahomes stuff. They just couldn't get it going offensively. And I don't understand, one, I don't understand why Reed and, you know, who am I to, to question Andy Reed? But it's, it's, it's the, for the sake of conversation. It's fourth and 25. With two minutes and six, seven seconds left. Two minutes, you got, you got two minutes, eight seconds left, something like that. And you got three timeouts left. So, fourth and 25. You punt that ball away and you get a timeout. So, the offense, Detroit to come out, you got four times to stop them. The clock, the two minutes going to stop them after they get done with first down. And then you got three more timeouts to stop them and you're going to get the ball back. We're looking at probably a minute 30 just to kick a field goal. You know what I mean? So that was a really, really questionable decision for me to Andy Reid. Like, why are you going for that on fourth and 25? I know Matt Nagy, he ain't got nothing drawn up for fourth and 25, but Mahomes looked confident when he got the play call in. So I don't know what they had schemed up. They were obviously confident in the play call, but you got to be more confident that you're going to succeed in the situation than you got to be, than you are in that individual play call. The play can be as good as you want, but you're facing guys that are damn good. And you already stacked, got the odds stacked against you with fourth and 25. You don't convert that. You know, that you can count on, I can count on one hand in my life how many times I've seen teams convert, you know, fourth and 25, fourth and 30. You know, it, when the Titans had that stretch where they couldn't stop nobody on third down, we had some times where he was getting converted on third and 20, uh, third and 17. But that Detroit defense was looking good. They weren't gonna, they weren't gonna give that up. You punt that ball away, try and get a stop. And, you know, that that's the thing where people say, don't pay Chris Jones, don't do this. If you've got Chris Jones coming out at D tackle on the other side of the ball, you're more apt to punt that ball. They don't have Chris Jones. He sit up in a press box that forces Andy Reid's hand like, man, I don't think this defense can get a stop. You know, that's in his head, you know. So that's why it's important to to have your your guys in place, man, because it makes it easier on everybody. If the presence of Chris Jones, a healthy Chris Jones in there, Andy Reid is feeling a lot better about getting a stop on the other side of the field instead of having to go for it on fourth and 25 with Patrick Mahomes. That not only makes the team better, it makes Mahomes better, makes it offense better, it makes the defense better. The presence of Chris Jones, he's such a dominant force inside that, you know, his absence, it really showed, showed. It showed in the game and it showed in the decision making that Andy Reid made at the very end of that game you know, really, really gave away the game because after they did that, it was over. You know what I mean? And of course you can say, well, the Kansas City still could have stopped them. Well, no, they really only needed, you know, one first down. So, and they needed that before, but the air is gone out of you. You take away all momentum when you miss out on that fourth and 25. You still at least got a chance at some momentum, like your defense running on the field, like it's on us, let's get a stop. No, you've, you've taken all that out. You've taken that all that out of the equation when you go for it on fourth and 25 and they're down there on your 50. You know, not even 50, I don't think. It was like the 40, your own 40. So 
you know, questionable decision by Andy Reid. I can't say that I quite agree with it, to be honest. But that's what happens when you don't have all your ballers out there and you don't have Chris Jones there that you can have some confidence on the other side of the field with your defense thinking they can get a stop. It's just not present. But going forward, man, we need Chris Jones back. I say we as a Titans fan. We need Chris Jones back. We need Kelsey back healthy. And we need them Kansas City receivers to, to get to do something. They were absolutely terrible for Jacksonville this coming week on Sunday. So they're going to have some long, they're going to have three days extra rest in Jacksonville. So hopefully that'll give time for Kelsey to get back. They said in the, on the, uh, on the actual during the game, they gave an update, said he couldn't even put no pressure on his knee when he was in the pool. So that, that, that might be an issue. But how lucky would Jacksonville be if they managed to face Kansas City without Kelsey and without Chris Jones? You know, that, that, that really irritate the hell out of me. But Kansas City, though, they're not going to go 0-2. Like, they're, they're not going to be – this is probably the best, set, best case scenario for the Titans for Kansas City to lose to Detroit. You know, we, I mean, we're looking at that one seed. I ain't going to lie. We're we looking at it. <laughs> and we're going to get to that one seed later on in the show. But this is probably best case for Titans for Kansas City to lose and then them to have a little – you know, a little extra juice going into the Jacksonville week that, hey, we can't we can't go 0-2. You know, NFL teams that go 0-2 do not fare well. I think Kansas City might have did that that year that, uh, you know, defense that quote-unquote found out Mahomes. They might have. They got off to a really bad start that year, but I can't say if it was 0-2 or not. But it's hard to, to bounce back from 0-2 in the NFL. If anybody can do it, it's the Chiefs, of course. But they're not going to want to dig themselves that much of a hole and have to climb out. With the, you know, not easy division that they have, they've got Sean Payton and Russell, Russell Inc. You know, they've got the Chargers with, with the receivers they have. John Stone, John Stone that came from TCU, Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen. So, you know, that is not an easy division out there. And they got Vegas. So, you know, you know not Brock Purdy, but uh, Aiden McConnell. You know, he's, they say he's the, he's the guy. He's the guy. So, you know, it's just going to be a, a difficult division out there for them. It's a difficult AFC. So getting behind the buck at 0-2 is not something that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes want to even look at or be a part of because it's going to be tough sledding getting back from that. But the first thing they got to they gotta realize is that these receivers they have, it's going to make it tough on Mahomes. If anybody – Mahomes is working with it as is. He made that crazy throw – to uh, Valdez Scantlin down the middle, one of the most insane throws of the, of the year. That might be throw of the year already that we've seen from Mahomes. You know, going down the middle, fits it in between like three or four guys and puts it right in the bread basket. Candidate for throw of the year. But the receivers he have just ain't up to par, man. They're not up to par. And it's, it's showing in the game that with drops and such like that. You know, Tony had a couple big drops. Uh, Scott Moore had a drop. So. You know, it don't matter who you got at quarterback. You can have, uh, you know, the reincarnation of Joe Montana and Patrick Mahomes with a kid. And if your receivers out there dropping the ball, it ain't gonna work. So that's gonna be something they have to look at. Uh, D Hop came out and said that he he uh, offered himself to to all them franchise. I think it was Vegas, uh, San Francisco. Let me pull up the quote that uh, D Hop D Hop said. You know, I had people sending it to me and shit. Talking about he don't want to be in Nashville. No, he he just wanted to test his options. Detroit, Dallas, San Francisco, even San Fran. And we all know he was publicly flirting with Kansas City. 
in the free agency process or his agent was, whatever, whatever the hell you want to. I don't even think he has an agent, but, you know, he was broadcasting and marketing himself to them. But, you know, they, they could have used him. And the only per- people, the only receiver I see on the market that Kansas could be of really good use to Kansas City, I mean, Mike Evans is obviously on the market. They can, he can say all he wants that he doesn't care to leave Tampa Bay. But if an offer from Kansas City comes and they're going to pay him, that's something that he's going he's gonna to entertain. I mean, you can't doubt that. I'm sure he loves Tampa Bay and all that, but he don't love having Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball. I know he don't love that at all. So, and being one of the worst, worst teams in the NFL, worse in the division. I ain't going to say they're worse in the NFL, but they're, you know, they're, it's going to be a tough, tough division for them. And, you know, tough for anybody in the NFC South, to be honest. It ain't really a pretty division. But, you know, they're going to have to look and, look and see and get some receiver help. I think the Titans have Nick Westbrook-Akina available that they could look at. It'll probably take a first or second round pick from Kansas City to get Nick Westbrook Akina, wide receiver one. But we'll see, man. Kansas City got to figure something out. They got to figure something out. All right, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow getting paid. Getting paid. Reached an agreement on a five-year, $275 million contract from the Cincinnati Bengals. Who did? And as extension, make him the highest paid player in NFL history. Two hundred, Almost $220 million guaranteed. Uh, averaging $55 million, and he deserves every dollar. Deserves every single dollar. So, you know, the Bengals, he's here to stay. Of course, he wasn't never going to go nowhere. But the Bengals are going to be a problem for the next 10, 15 years, man. They've just locked up their future. They're going to be a problem. Chase and Higgins are next. I think Higgins comes before Chase, but they got to find a way to lock up their two receivers, and then they can figure the rest the hell out. You know what I mean? You got them three cats, the rest will fall in place because they're going to keep you in games every game of the year. So, you know, good on Kansas or good on Cincinnati. They went through it to find out, to get in this situation, you know, a bunch of years of just terrible, terrible football, eight and eight football, you know, when they were consistently eight and eight, middle of the pack, just just in a dungeon of average, average, average ticity. You know what I mean? So. You know, good on the Bengals. I'm happy. I like Bengals fans, man. I don't care what anybody says. There was on, you know, people on Twitter were talking about, uh, I think Mina Kings, if that's how you pronounce her name. Sorry if I mispronounced her name. Was arguing with Bengals fans. And Bengals fans were talking, or other fans were talking about Bengals fans like they're the absolute worst fans in the NFL. I think they're one of the best NFL fans in the NFL. Anytime Bengals Cincinnati came to town, which they've came a lot to uh, Nashville over the last three or four years, I think two or three times, I've always had great experience with Bengals fans. Even after the playoff playoff win, that was our first playoff win, and I don't know how long. And they all acted cordial on Broadway and everything. Afterwards, there was a ton of them, and they were all acting cordial. I mean, apologizing and everything, you know. And that was a really traumatic night for Titans fans, myself included. You know, it, I did. You know, it was it was a terrible night that that night. But Bengals fans, they weren't obnoxious, rubbing it in or nothing. They were cordial. They were cool. They were like that before the game. They were like that after. So I ain't got nothing but good things to say about Bengals fans, to be honest. I don't see where all the hate comes from Bengals fans. You can't base your opinion off a group of people off their presence on Twitter. Like, that's idiotic. You know, you can't. Twitter's not a real place. It's not, you know. So you got some obnoxious Bengals fans on Twitter. That's not indicative of the whole fan base. And that's for any team. You know, that's for the Vols Twitter. That's for Titans Twitter. That's for Arsenal Twitter over in England. It's not indicative of the fan base. That's really a vocal, like the most vocal minority that, that we have in the current days is the Twitter following of, of a team or of a group or of a person. You know, you can't, 
nothing is indicative. You can't form any view off Twitter. Nothing. The shit is basically a, a like imaginary Neverland type thing. But good for the Bengals fans. I'm happy for the Bengals. I hate that it's in the AFC. I and mean, you know, I wish he was in the NFC, but they deserve that as much as they've been through over the last decade or so, decade or two, really, since Carson Palmer left. Just a purgatory of rough football, you know, just just terrible where they were putting all their hope in Ohio State, <laughs> you know. So now they got a boy that went to Ohio State, one of their own from Ohio, and he's their quarterback. How can you be how can you hate on that? How can you be mad at, at a fan base for having that? That's amazing. That's like a quarterback from the Nashville area goes to play for the Vols, comes back, plays for the Titans as a franchise quarterback for 20 years. You can't be mad at that. You can be nothing but happy for Bengals fans. So happy for Bengals fans. Good for them. They got to lock up Higgins. They got to lock up Chase. And if they don't lock up Higgins, he's going to be elsewhere. Titans might need to look at him. We got some cap space. You know, I'd be happy to have Higgins. I'd pay him 22-5. He can get 22-5 from the Titans for me. Pair him up with, with hopping him, but he, he'll probably get tagged next two years. So, you know, that, that ain't going to happen. But wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Speaking of the Titans, man. So Titans go down to face New Orleans on Sunday at noon. Like I said, uh, to start off the show. We'll be doing a live watch along TFTV will on Twitch and YouTube at noon. So make sure you join that. We're going to have our fan sites afterwards, fan sites, interviews with the fans that are here present at the studio. So that's going to be a really good time and it should be a really good game, man. So Derek Carr is going to be making his debut with New Orleans. I think John Gruden is down there helping out. He's been volunteering in some capacity, but you know, the Saints ain't no slouch. Very good defensively. And the offense is to be determined. They've got really good receivers in their core. They got Olave. They got Michael Thomas. They're missing Kamara due to suspension, but they have, I think, Jamal Williams, if I'm not mistaken. Excuse me. They signed a host of running backs to supplement that, to supplement uh, Kamara's absence. But I don't think the running backs are going to matter because teams don't run on us. This is just not happening. They're not running on us. So they're going to have to beat us through the air, and the DBs are going to be in the spotlight from the get-go, from week one, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, what is this young secondary going to do? What is Fulton going to do? What is McCreary going to do? What is our new addition, Sean Murphy Bunton, going to do? We've got to, you know, get hands on these guys, Olave, if possible. You know, it's, it's hard to, but we've got to get hands on Olave and Michael Thomas. Get them off of their, off their, or, you know, off their rhythm with Carr because they're still building a rapport with Carr. Obviously, they he's only been there for for an offseason. So that's not as smooth as it's going to be in, say, week 12. So good time to be playing a team with some talented receivers and a new quarterback like New Orleans. But the secondary still has to do their do their thing. And, you know, the pass rusher, the pass rushers really can help the secondary more than the secondary can help the pass rushers. The them pass rushers can really get after the quarterback. We got a healthy Landry coming in, healthy Autry. Everybody's looking healthy. Knock on wood. We've got to see some pressure on Derek Carr. He's not the most mobile quarterback he can move, but he's not, you know, Lamar Jackson by any means. He's not Josh Allen. So if you get him off the spot, good things can happen for the Titans defense. And that's something I anticipate on seeing. I'm eager to see how well the Titans uh, front front four gets pressure without bringing any blitzes or blitz packages, how they'll go and with maneuvering with their stunts or just mano a mano, put your ears back and rush the passer. It's going to be interesting to see because we don't have Jim. If, if Titans fans forgot, we don't have Jim Schwartz anymore. He's the defensive coordinator in Cleveland. So he was a big part of 
you know, we, we'd always got decent pressure on the quarterback, but with the addition of Jim Schwartz over the last year or so, he really helped that. And, and it was exponentially better with how much pressure we were able to get on the quarterback while only rushing four. So that's going to be something to pay attention to Titans fans. How well does this defensive line get home against quarterbacks, especially on third and longs? We've added some, some pass rushing depth in Gibson from Chicago. And, uh, We've got Murphy, that we undrafted free agent that really shined in preseason with two sacks. Not to mention, we've got Autry, Landry, Arden Key pickup from Jacksonville. So, Big Jeff, of course, and Tart. So, a lot of D-line depth. They're going to be probably the most important position group on that. They will be the most important position group on that side of the ball, arguably, across the whole team. That D-line, how well they're able to get pressure, because they'll dictate the game, obviously. So, we need them to stop the run. We need them to be able to get to the quarterback and get home consistently without having to bring extra bodies in to rush the passer because we need all the bodies we have in coverage, covering Olave and them. So that's the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, very eager to see what Tim Kelly does offensively. Derrick Henry, he was asking a press conference, is it a surprise or is it going to be something you know, exciting, the unveiling of the new Titans offense? And he said, you'll see with a little smirk on his face. So. We can expect some changes. I'm not, I'm, I don't think we're going to have, you know, Chip Kelly style spread offense, no huddle. We're not going to have that. But it's going to be a stark difference from years past. We're going to spread, in my opinion, we're going to be spreading out defenses a lot more and hopefully having Henry in the backfield where he can really, you know, it makes it a little bit easier on him and causes the defenses to make a decision with what they want to do. Do they want to, you know, still crowd that box, even though we've got, you know, four wide out? Uh, you know, split, or are they going to, you know, man up these receivers or, or line up on top of them and leave maybe one or two linebackers inside and keep six in the box versus our six? So it's going to be very interesting. Tim Kelly is going to be forcing the the Saints' the, uh, defensive coordinator's hand, and it's going to be interesting to see where we go with that. I'm gonna, I'd like to see Tajay Spears get some good touches. He will be going back home. So he went to Tulane. That's around that New Orleans area, I think or he has family around the New Orleans area. He's talked about it ad nauseum over the last week about how he's had so many people reaching out. So a home game for Tajay Spears, I expect to see some good things out of him when he touches the ball. He's a really dynamic playmaker, and I can't wait to see what he does on third down. We actually have a back that can threaten defenses on third down. We haven't had that in a very long time. I can't remember the last time we had that, honestly. I mean, you could maybe say McCluster back then, maybe. But the Titans... I'm not, Deion Lewis was not that guy. So I'm not even counting Deion Lewis. But the Titans have not had a good, good third down back in a very long time. That Partly because we've been so reliant on our one back. But we've actually got some depth and a good trade and compliment to Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. And I'm really excited to see what he does this, uh, this Sunday against New Orleans. Tannehill and D-Hop, the relationship with them two. We've got to see them coming out firing. We don't see, need to see any rustiness. Looks like Traylon Burks, he was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. So looks like I probably would assume that he'll be playing on Sunday. No restrictions because he hasn't had any restrictions in practice from what I've heard. So the receiving core is what it is. Of course, Glassman is out. Kyle Phillips, we're not going to have him for, he's on IR, so we're not going to have him for four weeks at, at a minimum. But still, a receiving core of Chig, D-Hop, and Burks, it's still threatening the defense when you add that to with Henry and Tajay Spears in the backfield. That's still a very, a very, you know, I, I can't say average, but a very threatening skill group 
bunch of defenses. They're going to have to choose their medicine. So eager to see what D-Hop does in his first game as a Titan. He looks really quick in practice. He's looked great in practice. And we haven't, of course, we haven't seen him in any, any preseason games. So very eager to see how he, he does. And we'll see if Derrick Henry has another slow start this year. Notorious for having slow starts, not really getting going until October. But, uh, you know, with this maybe being his last year, he might have a little more incentive to get going pretty early. So, you know, going to be very interesting to see what, what Derrick Henry does. Overall, I'd say that, you know, with for prediction-wise, I'm predicting uh, Titans 20, Saints 17. The line is at plus three. Titans are underdogs against the Saints. Vrabel's 500 as an underdog. And I think they'll beat, I think they'll beat the Saints by three today. Or Sunday, I mean. Y'all let me know in the comments what y'all's predictions are for the Titans versus Saints. Uh, what y'all think about the line, about the Saints being favored by three points. That's really just a home, a home field advantage. Well, really, a home field advantage is one. So it's really a two-point two point, uh, favorite, which really ain't nothing, to be honest. But I would press Titan, Titans money line, and really I'd press that spread, too, at three. And a lot of other bettors are doing that. It's one of the more higher, higher bet on spreads in the NFL this week. Y'all let me know in the comments on YouTube, on Twitch, what y'all's predictions are for the Titans versus Saints game. And what y'all's predictions for the Titans going forward for the rest of the year? How, how far do you think they'll end up? Do you think they'll make a run at the Super Bowl, run at the AFC Championship, run at the playoffs? Or do you think they'll, you know, lose out on the division and not make a wild card? Y'all let me know in the comments. Make sure y'all subscribe on YouTube. Make sure y'all subscribe on Twitch. So that way, that way y'all don't miss out on any content at all. Make sure y'all subscribe to our other podcast at TFTV Presents, The Exit One Show on YouTube, at Exit One Show, and on all socials at Exit One Show. You'll find this at TFTV Sports on all socials, TFTV.sports on Instagram, and then at TFTV Sports on YouTube. Same way you're watching this right now. Make sure y'all support, man. All right. All right. couple more things. So this is something that has really been irritating the hell out of me. I ain't going to lie. So especially with the emergence of this, the monetization on Twitter, you're seeing a lot more BS and attention mongering trying to. And you know, up and down the timeline. One thing in particular is making outlandish takes and predictions, knowing that they're not going to happen, acting like you actually genuinely believe it and just letting the chaos happen. So I don't, you know, I respect hustles and I respect that hustle for one, but the integrity is gone. There, there, there ain't no more integrity out there. Hardly any. And especially when I see shit like, you know, credible NFL guys, and podcasters, and even people, there was a guy from PFFF that did it. There's no way in hell y'all think the Jacksonville Jaguars will really be the first seed in the AFC. We're talking about a conference that has Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill. It's not happening. (laughs) It's not happening. They're not coming in first in the AFC. They'd be lucky to come in first in the AFC South. So I don't I don't know where the hell this is coming from. They're just trying to tap into Duval and, you know, Screwval. They're trying to tap into them and, you know, feed on that all that optimism going on down there in Jacksonville and Duval County. It's not happening. They're not coming in first seed in the AFC. Like I said, they'd be lucky to come in first in the AFC South. They've got some talent down there. Nobody's nobody's doubting that. But the only reason they're getting this recognition at all is because the Titans were injured and missing half their damn team last year on the stretch and lost seven straight because we were playing with practice squad guys. 
if we would have beat him in the playing game, none of this talk would even be going on when we started Josh Dobbs, you know? So it, we were at a, a terrible spot and still could have beat them and got in. You know, it's just without our starting quarterback, without a lot of players that we was missing. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's all about farming engagement. I had to comment on it because it's really pissing me off seeing that, man. But, hey, man, it's just, that's the times we're in on Twitter with this engagement age. Excuse me. With this engagement age. And people know the Jags ain't coming in first place in the first seed in the, in the AFC. Stop saying this shit, man. That's, it's, it's, getting, it's getting ridiculous. Very ridiculous. So, on to the last point. Last point. We got Prime, Coach Prime. Facing Nebraska, them in Colorado, him and him in Colorado facing Nebraska on Saturday at Colorado. Uh, I think it's going to be the opening game of their 100th year season at that stadium. Hey, man, if Prime stay there a couple more years, they're going to have a new stadium with a dome and everything. They keep playing with Prime. Ain't going to be no more 100 years at a stadium. They might have a new one every 20 years they keep playing with Prime. But, you know, facing Nebraska, Nebraska's going to visit. They lost. Three to or thirteen to ten, I think, to Minnesota last week. So they're coming in a little bit down. They were favorited against Colorado earlier in, or before Colorado won. So a lot of value, and I think they were favored up until midweek. But a lot of value betting wise on Colorado, and a lot of money, a lot of action on Colorado makes me worried about betting on Colorado. When I see that much action on them, I know Vegas is going to have their hands in there, some some meddling, doing something. I I'm already knowing. So. Me personally, I wouldn't put in any action. I wouldn't have any action on that Colorado Nebraska game. It's gonna be too much fishy shit going on. But if you believe, like Deion said, you believe. Throw the cheese on them. But eager to see how Colorado and Dion respond to all this, you know, positive attention that they not only warranted, but have received over the last six, five, six days nationally, locally, and you know, all over social media. Dion's one that relishes in that pressure, but can his players do the same? Has he transmitted that energy to the players of, you know, channeling this, this pressure that they received into putting in a good performance on the field? I know he's done it with his sons, but has he done it with the rest of the team? That's something we're going to have to see. I'm predicting another Colorado win over Nebraska. I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be close, to be honest. It's three points, but I think Colorado could find a way to beat them by 10 or 17. Honestly, I'm I'm going on record and saying that. Just so they got so much juice right now around the around the university, around the football team, around the stadium, and that that atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric. So I just see I just see Travis Hunter, Shador Sanders, Prime, Coach Prime. I mean, I just see them relishing in that and transmitting that to their teammates and getting them to play fast and play and just ball out for Colorado. So Y'all let me know in the comments what y'all think uh, for the Colorado and Nebraska game. What are y'all predictions for the Colorado and Nebraska game? Do y'all think Colorado will win? Do y'all think they'll lose? How bad do you think they'll beat Nebraska if they beat them? And how bad do you think they'll, be, they'll lose if they lose to them? Y'all let me know in the comments. And make sure y'all subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Twitch. All right. I think that's all we've got this morning, man. It's all we've got. Make sure y'all uh, tap in with the Exit One Show. We just released episode seven at Exit One Show on YouTube. It was hilarious, man. Make sure y'all tap into that. Live watch along coming on Sunday for the Titans and Saints game at TFTV Sports. You find that on Twitch and YouTube. Make sure y'all tap in with that. Make sure y'all subscribe to the channel. That way y'all see this and get some notifications. Cut them on too. 
when we go live because we can routinely go live or when we have any videos and content that release that way you can see it and that's the best way to support us so y'all do that y'all stay easy y'all stay cool and y'all have a good one man appreciate y'all